Amen. Turn to the book of Joshua in your Bibles. We're in chapter 10 today. Have you ever had something that turned out just the way you planned it? Anybody? Well, well, if that happened, don't ever try to do that thing again. You know, it doesn't happen often for us that, that things turn out the way that we think they're supposed to, that, that, that really everything goes just like we thought that it should. But, but occasionally that happens. Usually what happens to us is we have our plans, and, and I'm a big planner. I love making plans. I just realize that, that I might have to adjust my plans as I go along, particularly when you think about walking with the Lord because, you know, let, let's face it, we can pray. We can ask for the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us as we plan, but we always need to be ready to adjust those. My problem with no plan is who knows what's going to happen, Right? That's just me personally. I thought some of you might chuckle. Any of you not planners in here? You just like to wing it? Don't go on vacation with me. <laughs> Mm-mm. That's my, my stomach there. Sorry. No, it's not. Well, we've been, we've been studying Joshua. We, we've been watching as, as God takes the nation of Israel now finally into the promised land. And what I've, what I've been seeing is really kind of surprising to me. Joshua is one of those guys who's God's guy. I mean, this is God's man for the job. He was tutored by Moses, who was God's man for the job. And, and Moses took the mantle of leadership and figuratively uh, gave it to Joshua. And, and so Joshua is, is leading out, and God promised Joshua something that is amazing. I, I love this. God said, Joshua, just like I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. And then there were some things that God did to kind of really prove that, to demonstrate that. When, when they went across the Jordan, no doubt that God was linking that with crossing the Red Sea. That God was reassuring Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. You will be my spokesman to the people, and you will lead my people into the land that I promised them. And what amazes me is Joshua, with those kinds of promises, Joshua, with that kind of relationship with God, dropped the ball. And then he would get it right. Then he would drop the ball again. Then he would get it right. And you're thinking, you know what? By now, he's got, a, he's got this. Then he would drop the ball again. And then he got it right. We're in Joshua chapter 10. If you haven't turned there already, go ahead and turn there. This is one of these stories that we tell our kids. This is one of those amazing, fantastic, true stories from Scripture. We would call this a miracle. This is a time when God intervened in a way that was undisputable that it was him. Has that ever happened in your life? Has God ever intervened and, and really you can't say anything other than, you know what, that was just God. There's no other explanation than God. Well, that's one of these, even though a lot of people try to explain this one, this miracle away. Um, I, I've heard, I, I was reading in the commentaries, uh, getting ready for this. And, and everybody's got their own idea. Some of them kind of explain it away. And anyway, so I'll tell you how we're going to deal with that when we get there. Some of you are just chomping at the bit. Why don't we just read the story, shall we? Joshua chapter 10, verse 1. Here's the way it reads. 
as soon as Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and devoted it to destruction. You remember what that means. Devoted to destruction means every man, woman, and child killed, right? Including the king. So one king hears what happened to the other king. You can understand why this is a big deal for him. Doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon made peace with Israel were among them. He feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were warriors. Kind of reminds me of a movie I saw one time. You guys, are are you tracking with me at all? 300? Okay, here we go. So Adonai Zedek, by the way, his name means Lord of Justice. Um, I'm going to throw something out here that might mess some of you guys up for the week, and you can research it yourself. Melchizedek, you've heard of that guy, which means king of righteousness. The kings, and he was also king of Jerusalem, the, the kings of Jerusalem in this day and time were named things like that. So when you get to Melchizedek, don't, don't rush to the fact to say that this was the pre-incarnate Christ. This was a physical um, Jesus or God the Son coming in physical form as Melchizedek because that's a real name of a real king of a real place, okay? That's different than what we see with the pre-incarnate Christ. And some of you are going to be messed up for the whole week now, I can tell. This is a real guy. This is Adonai Zedek, so the Lord of Justice, King of Jerusalem, sent the Hoham. Now, there's a good name for a kid or a grandkid. Hoham. You can pronounce it however you like, Hoam. I like Hoham. The King of Hebron, to Piram, King of Jarmuth, and to Japhia, King of Lachish, and to Debir, King of Eglon, saying, Come up with me. So he sent word to all these kings, and he says, Come up to me and help me. And let us strike Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. Joshua did that just so I'd have to try to read those again. Gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. Let me pause here just for a moment. Now, you remember the Gibeonites deceived Joshua and the leaders of Israel into making a treaty with them, making a covenant with them. Do you guys remember we talked about that last week? They weren't supposed to do that. And, and so, so we're, we're entering into, this is the place where we would call this, this is God's grace because Joshua is doing the right thing. He's doing the honorable thing in honoring a covenant, even though he wasn't supposed to make that covenant with them. So the king of Gibeon now, who is a great city, combine that with the army of Israel, who no one has been able to defeat ultimately yet. Just, just lost a battle, but they won the war. And these other kings, particularly Adonai Zedek, are afraid. And they said, let's, let's make this preemptive strike before Joshua can get here with his army, let's go ahead and all of us together, we can take Gibeon and let's take them out of the way so we won't have to worry about them whenever, whenever the king 
or not, they didn't have a king at the time, whenever the nation of Israel comes to war against us. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, do not relax your hand from your servants. I love that. What a great way of reminding, hey, you have a responsibility to us, but they did it in a very humble way. Don't relax your hand from your servants. You made a covenant with us, and, and we need your help. <laughs> and, and they called really quick. You ever cash in your chips right away whenever someone says, oh, man, I owe you big time. What's well, not you mention it? <laughs> but come up to us quickly and save us and help us for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. Maybe it's just me, but, but, but I have to wonder if Joshua didn't think, you know, this might take care of that little problem that we had. We weren't supposed to make a covenant with Gibeon, and we'll honor the covenant that we have with Gibeon, but we can take a few days, and maybe, maybe that problem will just be taken care of for us. Do you suppose he might have thought that? I, I don't know. I, I hope not. But here's what he did. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. You remember before when they went to attack Ai, they only took two or 3,000. That's what they were recommended. They took 3,000 with them. He, he didn't do that this time. He took all of the men, and, and I love I love verse 8. This kind of tells me where his heart is now. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua's listening to God. He didn't do that a couple of times before, but he's listening to God. So Joshua, verse 9, came up upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. He didn't delay in honoring his covenant with Gibeon. He didn't do what he could have done and said, you know what, maybe maybe those five kings will just take care of my problem for me. He immediately left, did something that was really unprecedented. When we travel at night, uh, how many of you got those LED things on your car, on your truck? The LED lights, would you please dim those when you see me? No. Um, but, but they didn't have that kind of thing. The best they could have done was to march with torches through the night. The Bible talks oftentimes that in the darkness there's danger. Uh, this happened years ago, so I can mention it now, but we had some of our students that went out camping. Um, it was a group of them, and, and one of them got up to do what sometimes you have to do in the middle of the night and, and didn't notice that he was standing on the edge of a precipice. Now, it wasn't a sheer drop, and it wasn't really big. But when they sewed his ear back on the next day, um, realized the danger of moving around and traveling in the darkness. What Joshua did was unprecedented. You just didn't do that. They marched through the night. They arrived there. Any of you seen Lord of the Rings? Epic. Good grief, I need to help you guys out a little bit. 
the battle of the five armies, where at daybreak, the sun's there, and then you can barely see, but the silhouette of thousands and thousands and thousands of troops on the horizon. I imagine that that was the scene that the five kings woke up to. So they marched through the night, and it says in verse 10, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them, that's Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon and struck them as far as Ezekiah and Makeda. That sounds like a dog. Um, Ezekiah and Makeda. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, they, I just, I, 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 you really, when you read it, sometimes put your pen away, put your notebook away, put the commentaries away, and just read it and try to visualize what's happening in Scripture. Those kings get up, and there is this enormous army, and they're coming for them. And, and Israel is whipping them good at, I remember one time, Hope, you know, we, we came from Texas, but she was only two. She doesn't remember any of that, and she was probably about four, and she was going to get a swat for something, and she said something about getting a whooping. Now, I heard that my whole life growing up. I knew what a whooping was, but I don't know where she got it. But can I just say that those armies were getting a whooping, and Israel was chasing them, but, but look. The second part of that verse, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiah, and they died. And then I love this. They add this commentary in here. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Isn't that amazing? So, so Israel is, is really dominating in battle, but then God does something even more than that and and he causes hailstones to come down and kills more of them by the hailstones than they were killed by the sons of Israel. Verse 12, at that time, I just love it. These little commentaries help me know where, where Joshua's heart is. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And here's what he said in the sight of Israel. This is Joshua. It says he spoke to the Lord. So, so I'm envisioning this. He's praying. He's, he's entreating in, in God, asking God to do this. Sun stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Aijalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Now, isn't that awesome? So God is already, Israel's already winning, but God, God is doing even more than that with the hellstones, killing even more and Joshua must have realized we don't want them to get away. Joshua's command was to devote them to destruction. That means they all had to go. And so Joshua speaking to the Lord, Joshua gave a command to the sun and to the moon that they stand still. Now, this is where you can read and get all kinds of fun commentary, and sometimes it's just fun to do that. Um. There are some people that say it was an eclipse. Well, a couple of problems with that. Um, the eclipses that I've seen only last minutes, not 
hours and hours and hours. It, it says about a day, so about 12 more hours it added. So, so don't get that one, even though there's some people that le- legitimately say that what he observed there was an eclipse. Um, there, there are some people that, that say, really, so what happened was God caused the, this weird thing. This uh, hell, any, any of you ever been in the hellstorm before? If you walk outside and the sky's green, run. I mean, back inside, don't run outside. That that because of this 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 storm, whatever caused these hailstones, produced this thing, this canopy kind of where it just illumined the area um, for for an extended period of time. Can can I just say something? And this is my tendency with scripture, anyways. Whenever the Bible comments that God did an amazing thing, can we just say, okay? Don't try to explain it away. Don't try, you know, oh, well, scientifically, it's why it's called a miracle. Yeah? When the Bible Bible says that God did something amazing, let's, now, we can seek to understand it. That's okay, but let's don't try to explain that away. I've heard people that tried to explain the, the crossing at the Red Sea. They said it wasn't really the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea, and, and it was low that time of year, and the miracle was that the chariots got stuck in the mud. And I'm like, no, that's a bigger miracle than the other because they drowned in a few inches of water. The whole army of Pharaoh. So let's not try to explain it away. Sometimes we just need to say, you know what? That's what the Bible says, and it's something that God did that's outside of the ordinary, and that's okay because God wrote the rules, didn't he? What we see here, and what I want us to see, is that God intervened in an amazing way to bring about total and complete victory. We're going to see next week, Joshua goes to the end with this in obedience. That he went all the way and God intervened. Here's the idea that I want you to get today is that God will fight for you. I love that. I can't imagine that throughout all of this, that what was, what was not resounding in, in Joshua's mind was what Moses told him in Deuteronomy 3.21. Here's... This is Moses speaking, Deuteronomy 3.21. Moses said, and I commanded Joshua at that time. This is when he's handing the mantle of leadership over to Joshua. Here's what he said. I I could just picture, this is a a dad figure to a son, pulling him close. Son, your eyes have seen all that the Lord, that is that Yahweh, your God, has done to these two kings. So will Yahweh do to all the kingdoms into which you are crossing You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. I can't imagine that throughout all this, Joshua wasn't remembering. That's right. You know what? That's right. We'll be obedient with what God commands us to do, and we'll go and fight, and we'll fight with all the men that he's given us, but it's God who fights for us. And as God steps in and intervenes with the hailstones, I can't imagine that Joshua didn't say, you know what, Moses told me that. That God's going to fight for us. Hey, look, guys, God's killing more than we are. For every one, he kills one and a half or two. God is fighting for us. And then when it looks as if some of them might escape, because 
they started early morning. Now it's getting late in the day. And Joshua prays that prayer as he's speaking to God, commands the sun and the moon to stay where they are. And it happens that Joshua isn't thinking, you know what, that's right. We say this all the time. Each of us only have 24 hours in a day. Not when God steps in. (laughs) And God stepped in to allow them to defeat the enemies. God will fight for you. Now, you want to make sure you're on his side. Remember, we talked about that several weeks ago. Not that, hey, God, would you come over here? God, would you come over to my side? Would you just do that? No, you make sure you're on God's side. You make sure you're walking with him. You make sure you're listening to him. But remember that God will fight for you. He will take care of the battles. Thank you. Now, there are three things quickly that I I want to remind you of as we close today by way of application. One is this. You will face opposition. That's a downer, isn't it? (laughs) You will face opposition. It is going to happen. You can be walking as perfectly as you can with the Lord. You can be listening to him. You can be in perfect obedience, and you will face opposition. Joshua 15, 8. I'm sorry, not Joshua, it jumped. Uh, New Testament, John 15, 8. Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And then he explains a little bit to us. If you are of this world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours. Jesus is saying, listen, you are going to be persecuted. This world isn't going to like you. If it does, you've got a problem because that means you're like the world. You will face opposition. And we don't know what the next five or ten years in our country is going to look like. We have been so blessed in this nation to be able to worship openly and freely. Now, we we can experience some persecution uh, by speaking out boldly in, in the name of Jesus. But we've been blessed greatly as a nation. Who knows what the next five or ten years, it, it could be that kind of persecution, or it could be that you didn't get a raise in a job. It could be that you were let go from a job because you were too vocal in your faith. It could be that that... People avoid you because you're bold in your faith in Christ. I don't know what, but here's what I do know, that you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, will face opposition. It will happen. It's going to happen. God gave them the promised land. They still faced opposition. Second is this. Not only will you face opposition, but God will keep his promises. Did you know that? That's one of the things you need to know about God is that he is faithful. He will do what he said he's going to do. In fact, one of my my favorite definitions of faith, faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do. God will keep his promises. But, But let me remind you, he doesn't promise some things. 
God does not promise you prosperity. God doesn't promise you, um, I, I have to be careful the way I put this, God doesn't promise you a lack of opposition. Do you remember, uh, I love it, our, our, one of our three favorite uh, buddies in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? God didn't keep them out of the furnace. In, in fact, I think that was, I don't think, I know, that was part of God's plan for them. Now, how would you like to know, hey, look, part of God's plan for you is you're going to go through something that most people couldn't endure. Happy Monday. (laughs) But God will keep his promises. Here's, Here's two things that Jesus promises us that we can bank on, okay? You can count on this. The first one is this that Jesus promises his presence. Matthew 28, 20. I love this. Right at the end of the Great Commission, which is huge, huge, huge. It's our marching orders as believers. Right at the end of that, Jesus says, and I will be with you till the end of the age. Now, some of us don't like the till part in there. What he means is I'll be with you till it's done. Now, it doesn't mean he won't be with us after that. We're going to be in heaven after that. But he's saying, I will see it all the way through with you. He promises his presence. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? One of the, to me, one of the funniest places in the Bible. One of the guards looks in. Actually, it was the king. I'm sorry. The king looks in. This is, how many did we throw in there? And can you imagine being a guard at this point? Because any little misspoken word and you're done. Three, O king, and then they probably backed up just a little bit. He says, well, I see four of them in there. And one of them looks like the son of God. He promises his presence. He will see it all the way through for us. I love that. The second thing is this, is he promises his peace. Now, peace is not a lack of conflict. You guys get that? Here's what Jesus said, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So the world's peace is is not really a true peace. It might be a lack of conflict, but there's no joy. There's no peace that goes along with it. It's temporary. It can be upset by, by the smallest little thing. Have you ever been there? Your day's going great. Man, it's Monday. It's 10 o'clock. All my guys showed up for work. Everything's going the way it's supposed to. I got all my emails done. I'm boy, I'm going along. And it, it just takes one thing sometimes and no peace after that. Not as the world gives you, do I give you. And then he says, let your hearts not be troubled, nor let them be afraid. Jesus promises his peace. I I, I love the way Paul writes. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which goes beyond all comprehension. 
goes beyond the circumstances. It's contrary to what is happening. The peace of God, which goes beyond all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, it's not the fact that that God, God could have kept Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire, and things would have been a lot better for them. God could have changed Nebuchadnezzar's heart before then, and things would have gone better for them. But God saw them through. And, and I love their statement before they go in. They say, we know our God can deliver us. But even if he chooses not to, we're going to obey. That, listen, that's peace. Look, we know what's happening. We know what's going on around us. But my God will take care of me. Some of us, he's going to heal me here or there, but he's going to heal me, right? He's going to take care of it here or there, but he's going to take care of it. And all along the way, I can have that confident assurance that God is in control and I can trust him. He promises his peace. And finally, not only... Will, will you encounter persecution? You'll face persecution. Not only will God keep his promises, but we get to see God at work. Now, isn't that cool? I, I can't imagine what it would have been like for them. Now, now listen, those kings were afraid just because they've heard what God had already done in the lives of the Israelites as they conquered the land. I can't imagine what the next kings were thinking. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Not, not Not only does this God dry up the Jordan so they can come over, not only does he cause cause the walls of Jericho to fall down, but he also brings hailstones down that kill more people than they do, and then he gives them more time in the day to finish what he's called them to do. I think I would have been moving to a new place if I were some of those those kings. We get to see God at work. I love it. Exodus 14, 13, this is, this is Moses. And Moses is saying to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of Yahweh, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll never see again. This is as they cross over the Jordan. Verse 14 is what I want us to hang on to. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. In other words, sit back and see what God's going to do. Joshua 10.8, the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man, um, yeah, not a man of them shall stand before you. Can I just remind you today, that no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what you are encountering, and you're going to encounter some tough stuff, even as believers, I might even say especially as believers. But God is always faithful. Jesus promises his presence, and he promises his peace, and God promises victory. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he's, he's trying to prepare them for his death, burial, and resurrection, and then eventually his departure. John 16, 33, he said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
In the world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart. Your translation might say, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. As we enter a time of invitation and response, I, I want to encourage you. Whatever that is in your life that you're facing, it might be a relationship, it might be a circumstance, it might be something financial, it might be something physical. It might even be something spiritual that you're dealing with, emotional. Can I just remind you of a couple of things? Number one, Jesus promises he will be with you and never leave. Though everybody else might, he won't. Sometimes we put our trust or or we put our hope and our confidence in people and they will let you down. I will let you down. Jesus will never let you down. The second thing is this, he promises peace. You just take it to him. That, that thing that, that you're, you're facing, whatever it is in, in your heart, that, that you might say there is no way. Just take it to him. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, ask God, Lord, would you just take this? Would you just take it? And you know what? He might not change that circumstance, but he will change you. And his peace that goes beyond the circumstances, his peace that goes beyond anything that we can comprehend. In fact, when when he does that in your heart, people around you will say, I don't know how in the world you do that. And you can honestly say, I can't. But God can. He promises his presence and his peace, would you just give it to him today? And, and then, we're, sometimes we're afraid to do this. Would you just tell somebody, maybe somebody close to you that you trust, you know what, I'm just really trusting God with this. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I'm trusting God with this. And then sit back and watch him work. Isn't that cool? Now, sometimes we just want to keep quiet about it till it happens, and you're like, I knew God was going to do that. I knew God was going to take care of that. Let's, why, don't we, why don't we express our trust in him before he does it? You know, I'm trusting that God's going to take care of that. And whether it turns out the way that I want it to or not, I know that it's going to turn out the way he wants it to, and that he's going to have the victory, and he'll get the glory. Let's pray. God, it doesn't take any convincing for us to know that in this world we're going to have trouble. And In fact, the world is broken because of sin, and we experience the effects of that every day, every moment of every day. But God, I pray that you would lift up our hearts, that you would encourage us to know that you have overcome the world. And no matter what circumstance, situation, no matter what trial or tribulation we face, and there are a lot of different kinds, that you will be with us through it all and you will give us peace that only you can give because we have the confident assurance, God, that you love us, that you want what's best for us, and that you can do that. 
every single time. We can trust you. So, Father, this morning, I know that there are some that have come with burdens. Would you just, would you allow us, Holy Spirit, would you just do a work in our heart that we can lay those at your feet? And we can, we can exchange our burdens for the yoke of Jesus that is easy and his burden is light and that his peace and his presence would just encompass us. Father, would you just allow us to do that? Allow us to lay our burdens at your feet this morning. And when we do, when we trust, God, that you would show yourself as mighty and strong not just to us, but all those around us, that when we're walking through something that we shouldn't be able to walk through, we'd be able to point to you that your presence and it's your peace that enables us to do that. God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you've saved us. We thank you that you're continuing to make us into the image of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray, amen.